Yeah, he's like, he doesn't even get us, he man. He doesn't even get us, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know this is... That's some hot-ass tea. Holy sh**. You're drinking tea? You, you, got, you got some Earl Grey? You got some... Nah, my stomach can't some... do the Earl Grey these days. What? So you, I, so do you those, got like... I do those stomach-soothing herbals. So, so you got some herbal tea. What do you got in there? Chamomile? You got Peach. Peach. Peach and honey. Peach and honey. Interesting. Well, I am sipping on some chocolate milk. Ooh, chocolate milk. Yeah. One of those nights. I know. It, it, Throwing I mean, I don't, it back. I don't like know what it. to say. Definitely, definitely something. You know, it's something. It's something. But yes, that is what I'm working with right now. I like it. It's different. It's a different choice for fall. And I'm into this. Mm-hmm. That's right. I guess we're now officially in fall, technically. Yes. Question. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. What is time anymore? I don't know what time is. Neither do I. It's a very... Wait, we're actually in October now. We're in, like, not weird people doing horror stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we're in actual... I mean... We're in actual spooky season. But you can do it. You can do it anytime you want. You can ha- You can do whatever you like. What is that song? No. Yeah, no. Nah. I don't know. That ain't making a cut. I'm not, I'm not hip. I never was hip. I can't be hip. I, my hips hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes wake up like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, lean back here. Oh, have you recently rewatched The Exorcist? Recently, I would say maybe about a couple years ago. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I. This is the first time I've watched it. Probably not like at least a year and a half, two years. Well, were you in uh, horror? I think it's school. Well, yeah. Were you in the? Did you take the horror class? Were we? Yes, in? I took horror. I don't think I took comedy. Okay, so you watched it then, too, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm assuming you you would always show it. Well, it's interesting. It's been updated since then. Mm-hmm. Friedkin, RIP, we did lose him this last year, which is yeah. a bummer. But, I mean, he, a lot of directors update some of their best work every so often. I mean, mm-hmm. this, given how much time it's been around, it's gone through, I, I've lost track of how many times they've updated it, but... For the Blu-ray iteration, I know that they did a lot of CGI work for like little things like there were scenes that they didn't include in the initial cut. Yeah. That because of the crab walking down the stairs, mm-hmm. they didn't include that because you could clearly see the strings. But when they were able yeah, the to wireframe, yeah. take them out, they decided to put it in, which I thought was interesting. Which is interesting. Like how were they? I guess they were just trying to not. I guess they were just then trying to cut around it. Like if they were going to have that in originally, mm-hmm. or at least the intention was always to have it in originally. How how would they have would they have to, have to do like some sort of a mat on it or just shoot around it and cut around it then later on in editing yeah i think i think that they just given that it was like a really compressed shooting environment like on the set of stairs like that mm-hmm. they they were limited in what they were able to do well, and they actually shot this in an actual house right this isn't i think so well it was interesting because they shot the bedroom out in multiple ways okay so the the, ba- the bedroom was on a stage actually in the house and I think that they shot two versions of it on a stage, but the the main reason for shooting it on a stage was they've refrigerated it for the, mm, the cold. For the, it's interesting when you think about all the effects that, especially back in the seventies, would have been today. Like crap, you can do stuff on your phone, and there it is. Yeah. So to do it in a more old fashioned way, like actually refrigerating, I feel like today you could just put that in later on. Yeah, it was like what was it, Fight Club, where there's there's a really weird detail in the cold breath of Fight Club, and it's that it's the same computer graphics effects that were used on Leo in Titanic, because Fight Club's whole thing was they were like piecemealing different things from other yeah. movies, and they took a lot of things like that for that weird joke of it, joke sake of it, and Leo DiCaprio's breath. 
in the cave sequence of Fight Club is one of those things. It's so okay. weird that they did that. I never knew that. Yeah, so when you see Ed Norton breathing in Fight Club, it's actually Leo's breath. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. I never knew that. Yeah, there's a couple weird details like that. I don't remember a bunch off the top of my head. But but yeah, to, on, on the, the topic of the day, we are talking William Friedkin's Exorcist today, yeah. 1973 on the cusp of David Gordon Green's Exorcist Believer coming out this week, which mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what happens with that. Yeah, you had said there was, they had this at the, this was the first time at the Horror, Horror Nights they had it. This Yeah, this was the first time at Universal's HHN that a house, an IP house was there before the movie was released. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to judge that house <laughs> before before having, having seen, seen the movie yeah. and i'm not sure i'm gonna ha- know how to feel about this movie n- having seen that whole house <laughs> so <laughs> it's it puts me in a very weird state <laughs> well let's give it a shot let's give it a shot yeah i feel like david gordon green having had so many houses with hhn these past few years i mean he's ha- he's had his whole run of halloween mm-hmm. and worked with them a few times so i feel like uh, exorcist was going always going to be in there <laughs> So and this and this was 1973. This got released. I, th- I think you said that. Yeah. And I always forget that it's based on a novel from 1971. Mm-hmm, exactly. With the same. And name. also, interestingly enough, they had the author William Peter Blatty was in there working directly with William Friedkin. Yeah. In the process yeah well, he of it. he is. I mean, he's at least credited as one of the screenwriters. I believe. Yeah. I, don't, I, I mean, can't that, he was in the, the writers' room. They were batting it back and forth. And I think it wasn't till the editing room that there was any kind of real differences and yeah. Of yeah, that's interesting. Um, they had to, it was, uh, Friedkin wanted to cut, uh, ar- not, I want to say argued with, but it, uh, I forget who of the crew pushed him to cut certain scenes out to trim it down. Mm-hmm. And he eventually, after laboring with the edit to debate that decision, he eventually did decide to cut those scenes out. And that was when he had a lot of back and forth with the author who didn't think that yeah. those scenes should be cut. And there was That's where it, it kind of got a little hairy. But all in all, it did prove to be one of the most successful horror movies of all yeah, time. No. So well, let's... And, think, and let's... No, I was just going to say, I think the hatchet was somewhat buried on that front. Yeah. No, and that's good. Well, I was going to say, let's, for those who have never seen it, the story, the film, The Exorcist revolves around the possession of a young girl named, Ra- is it Re- Reagan? Reagan, right? Yeah, it Reagan. Played by Linda Blair. Beautifully played by Linda Blair. Yeah. She played both sides of that coin very, very perfectly. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty much essentially the process or the journey to try to expel the demonic entity that has taken her over well also even just to diagnose it and through those early scenes where they're just trying to figure out what the hell is really wrong yeah yeah no that this is one movie like still scares the shit out of me yeah and on that front i wanted to say it was i've I've heard people say that it's not scary anymore and yeah i I say on the basis of religion and its ties it's Mm -hmm. unquestionable ties to religion and you know a lot of people will say that because typically fans of horror are not as into religion that it's not as scary as it used to be but i to that i say it really comes down to what you believe at least on the front of possession i mean if you think that that's even possible or if there's even any arena in which that's a possibility i think is where this movie still has life. well yeah and something this a little bit off topic here uh, that brings up a, a, an interesting point uh, let me do my no no work with me computer your computer is possessed <laughs> yeah like <my laughs> <laughs> don't cut that out 
Cut that, cut that, cut that. One thing that I like that's interesting too when you were talking about possession, even if you come at it from a, you know, scientific or like medical standpoint, it, even just as like uh, emotions, our emotions can possess us. Yeah. Like heavily as it's part of being human. And one, one of my favorite books that I read in college, it's called Of Love and Other Demons. It's a novel, a novel by a Colombian writer, Gab- Gabriel Garcia Marquez. I think I pronounced that correctly. It was published in 1994. Essentially, I don't want to ruin, give it away, but it, one of the themes of the story, and there's no like the supernatural element in it, if it is there, is more, much more subdued than in The Exorcist. Yeah. But this one is focusing on sort of like poses the question that is love concept of it is that in its right a demon an entity because it can make you do terrible things it's kind of essentially what the test that is happening in the exorcist this novel is doing it the same way just kind of doing it in a more realistic approach there's not really an exorcism or anything like that but it's the possession of an emotion that can come over you and in this case of the novel it's love so i always found that having because i read this and then we it was the same year we had the horror class and then we went to go (laughs) watch exorcist so it just it definitely it was just like perfect timing. We're reading this story. We're watching The Exorcist. They both take a very similar approach with like themes and character journeys and the struggles and the conflict, but just how they approach it is a little bit different. But I always found that if you have never read it, I, I highly recommend it as well. What's the title again? Of Love and Other Demons. Love and Other Demons. Yeah, interesting. definitely. Definitely a, a, an interesting, interesting story. Putting that one on my list for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely out there, and I think I it makes me think like I think it's a similar theme going on with it, just yeah. not as the spectacle, if you will, is more is much more subdued. Well, even just like the cast of actors that we get in this movie. Oh yeah, it's often referred to as the Godfather, quote unquote, of the horror genre. Mm-hmm. I think more so than anything else I can think of. I think it's deserving of that title. Oh no, I this is one, and like I said, even though it scares. The out of me still even and i know some people don't find can say oh it's not as scary anymore maybe that's just because we're now so overexposed to different things you can well, it's kind of get- like that debate i hear about blade runner saying that blade runner 2049 blows it out of the water yeah and you're t- you're dealing with how many years 40 some years of progressing the art of filmmaking mm-hmm. of course it's gonna and you get one of the most a-list directors currently working of course yeah. it's gonna quote unquote best in some categories but you do have to respect the the original for blazing the trail oh and, you know, no definitely starting some of those trends oh no definitely and that's so you I know mean, for, for however you feel about the exorcist it, it was very early on in the horror in in a lot of these tropes of the horror genre to create some of these things that are now commonly known about yeah. storytelling which is interesting yeah and i was just going to say before just so the thought doesn't escape me i oh, this yeah. is one of the few films that i put the term masterpiece in front of for me mm. even even though i can't really watch it all the time but i i do think just everything the writing the acting the lighting the, the cinematography the sound you name it i feel like every element comes together the makeup the the production design everything all came together yeah, you, and made a masterpiece i feel like that for me that's what a masterpiece is no i agree and as honest to god as masterful as it is what's in what i find interesting is it's not one i want to pick up every year yeah. it's one no, that same. i kind of yeah. want to come back to every so often and let it really stew and i feel like it hits harder when i'm when i'm not as mm-hmm. freshened yeah no absolutely and if and if you can somehow find to watch this in a with a with a proper sound system i say definitely do it 
I don't yeah. know if like I'm sure there are places that smaller theaters or anything that. Well, this is one of those play movies. You know, we talked with Christina about ideal sound mixes. I think that mm-hmm. this is one of those movies. Yeah, I would agree. Yes, I was watching a bit with Friedkin talking about behind the scenes about the edit process, and he was talking about the mix, and he said that once they got it into some of the higher res formats, that mm-hmm. he was able to hear things in the sound mix when just watching it back for the the remaster process that yeah. he heard things in the mix that he had never heard before and i was like yeah, i believe it because his mix is crazy it's yeah. so deep there's so much going on in it i you mean know, to it's, have it's to have one. received i didn't realize it got 10 academy award nominations that year yeah in, including nuts. best picture still one of the i'm i still think one of the few and rare horror like definitive horror movies stories that actually got at least the best picture nod yeah it's it's very rare very very rare because horror is honestly kind of looked down upon in yeah. the industry at least I've- i would say so too yeah well and you think too like was it did it get that because at the time it was controversial yeah they, there was big controversy over this one wasn't there mm-hmm. yeah i mean you look at the i mean just the sheer just just the grotesque, the profanity, the images. I, not to, I'm sure the church wasn't very happy. No, <laughs> probably not. It, it, it's it's definitely one of those. Well, I can remember in, in film school, and I think maybe it was the same for you when you did the history of cinema when you come in freshman year. Mm-hmm. And this definitely sticks with me. Our professor, and correct me on anything that I say that might be wrong. He showed us a clip of The Sound of Music, like one of the opening shots. With yeah. Julie Andrews in the hills are alive with the sound of music, which is 1966, 65, something like that. And then the next shot he shows us is a clip from The Exorcist. <laughs> and it's the one, I believe it's the scene of her turning her head around, yeah. complete 180. I believe that was the scene. It's definitely one of the more violent scenes in the movie. And it was to drive a point home. He was like, do you think, essentially he was saying, do you think there was some sort of a cultural shift somewhere between 1965 66 and 1973 do you think like something took place to to see what was one of the top movies at the time with sound of music and then seven six seven eight years later you have one of the top movies with the exorcist it is an interesting shift and i mean i think that's indicative of the times i mean yeah there you look at what happened through the 70s i mean there were major cultural shifts happening between 69 and 75, even mm-hmm. just through the course of the Vietnam War. I mean, yeah, there was there was a lot changing in, in even just popular culture. No, and I, I think it's what's still so lasting about it. I think it's definitely one of the movies that has become either known for those who have watched it or has entered the pop culture and is now known for its. It has become known for the lexicon like moments that it created. You know, yeah. like, I like mean, the, how it's many? It's known for the bits and the the. Yeah. iconic imagery the snippets of it i think the longer form storytelling of it is very lost in some yeah. of what's commonly known about it i think it's a very slow burn of a movie and i think that that's why mm-hmm. it's often cast aside as just it's not that great but well, i yeah. think that that nature of it gives it a lot of weight because it feels very natural because it feels i it's it's more believable to me in the ways that it is more of a slow burn yeah no and i'm always a fan of more slow burn stories. And it's interesting too, because maybe from an editing standpoint, I've always noticed this is definitely a movie that gives you the time to breathe when you need it and then doesn't, or give, yeah, gives you the time to breathe when you want it or when you need it and then doesn't when you, what the hell am I saying right now? (laughs) 
I believe I believe that you know what you're trying to say. <laughs> Let me put it this way. The moments that it needs to be that slow burn and when the audience needs to take a breath, it allows that to happen. When you are yeah. because you get that sense, you're able to actually feel the emotions in the story. And then when it's time to be faster paced and not give you the chance to really fully be hit, it does that. The frenetic pace of it, the scenes, the, the one that always comes to my mind is the bed shaking scene. That one is one of the most disturbing yeah. ones to me. I don't know why. Like well, it's nothing, also one of the, it's one of the early instances yeah. of visual representation of her being possessed. Mm-hmm. It's what kicks off the whole doctor craze of trying to yeah. figure out what's wrong with her. And no, yeah, that's definitely I think something that when compared to like today, I think the editing. It's another movie that I. I, I don't notice the editing as much. The editing kind of just disappears, and that is one of the biggest compliments I can give. Well, speaking on the front of editing, what I thought was interesting was in, in the later rehashes of the edit and the remasters yeah. with Friedkin adding things, he added a lot of subliminal cuts, like single frames of images and stuff. Yeah. And I thought that that was interesting, like interesting choices. I wonder why that stuff wasn't included originally, but it's interesting to see how these things evolve. Well, no, yeah. And I didn't realize, honestly, one of my favorite scenes is the scene where Max von Sydow and Jason Miller, father Marin and father Karras are sitting on the staircase. Yeah. And I mean, and he says, why, why this girl, why here? I mean, and essentially I know that's like literally hitting on the nose. I kind of understand why they cut it out originally yeah but i also can understand why william peter bladder would want it back in so badly because it is the heart of the story yeah and as someone who enjoys writing more, I am glad that it is back in, though I would not, I can also see why it would have been taken out in the first place. Yeah, it makes, I mean, it does make sense, but um, it, it is interesting that Max von Sydow was tapped to be in this also. I mean, he's, he, his career lasted so long. I mean, it's, I know they aged mm-hmm. him up for this role too, which I also thought was a little interesting. I mean, he probably was already, more well known now for his role in Elder Scrolls Skyrim. Maybe. Yeah. Also, he was in Minority Report. Yeah. And going way back to the earliest part of his career, he was in Seventh Seal, which is one of my all-time faves. Yes. So he he's just one of those ones that's kind of always been around, and it's it's a, he's had a very interesting and fascinating. Definitely too. Like he's definitely one of those actors where his voice alone was. Yeah, he has a know, very it's just sharply it, pointed, it's very unique in voice. the sense like yeah, it just I, I it's one of those where like he could be both an on screen actor and a voice actor. Yeah. There's like a like a classical like tone to it. Also, uh Ellen Burstyn in this. If there's yes. one thing I'm interested to see from David Gordon Green's take is her return. Oh, she's actually in? Yeah, she's yeah. in it. She's reprising her role. Um, oh wow. Yeah, she's, okay. she's still kicking. She she's had some great roles even in recent years. I mean, not not all that long ago she did Interstellar. She's she's still kicking around. Oh, all right. Well, good for her. Good for her. Yeah, she's great. I do. I do really enjoy her. So what? What do you think is your one of my favorite scenes too in the movie is that opening sequence at the archaeological dig? Yeah, and it's. I think that that scene gets overlooked a lot. Well, I would even. Obviously, we've talked about it more times than we can count now already. But obviously, Raiders like they have. There's yes. the archae- the dig site Mm -hmm. Uh, this is one that i think even rivals that if not surpasses it because of just i I, again i go to the sound in this one i feel like this is the sound in this movie is one of the best i i ever witnessed definitely from the 70s i would say yeah but all time for sure the yeah, scenes just, that that impacted too going forward. I mean, you look at movies like Con- like Keanu Reeves and Constantine. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. there's definite influence in Constantine from The Exorcist. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, like you said, this is the godfather or the cornerstone, I think, of certainly modern horror. Yeah, I would say you know? so. Like, I mean, obviously this came out in the 70s and by that time filmmaking and just horror in general had been around for a while. So, but I, I mean, there's so many movies now that I feel like you can trace back to to this film. Well, even just like the practical effects work in it mm-hmm. kind of turned a lot of people's heads and st- still yeah, do. No pun, I mean, no it's, pun it's, intended. Ah, I didn't even mean to do that. That's pretty you great. Didn't, oh, I thought you <laughs> I did not mean to do that. That's pretty you great. son <laughs> of a bitch. <laughs> give me a second because that's that what's really good (laughs) yeah i mean the wire work clearly uh, like we stated the the building the the bedroom set on a on a stage for the refrigerator like yeah some some pretty next level stuff for obviously not having the crutch of cgi in the 70s well yeah i mean that alone i mean i I guess i'm not sure but i would guess as an actor that would at least help into the role like at least wow i can actually it's like it's like we talked about with dylan when we had him on i mean it's just the more you can put an actor in that environment the Mm -hmm. better off you're gonna be and i mean this there's no better example i mean they fully put their 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 talent in in the environment with that one yeah it's always funny because usually no not all the time but i can think of movies where when you're shooting like a snow scene it's usually on stage and it's it's usually room temperature or warm. Yeah. So, cause like it's all fake snow. There's no reason for it to be cold out. And, and now of course you can just do it all in the computer. So it, to do that, like to say, yeah, we're We're going to refrigerate this whole place. We're going to do it in, in a freezer essentially. Like, all right. Well, also I think from that standpoint, you're going to want these actors to realistically react to being in a cool environment like that. I mean, to just do CGI for that is a mm-hmm. way to do it, but it's going to rely more on those actors to sell yeah. that. The more you can make it a reality and for them to, to do their work. I mean, you're going to get better results out of the back yeah. end of that. And I also, I, I always liked that little touch about it. The fact that as the possession becomes more and more dire, the situation becomes more and more dire. It, the room, her room gets colder, sort of. Yeah. I don't know if this is a nod to the Inferno, but I always took it as such. Dante's Inferno. Yeah. The fine, the deepest circles of hell are actually freezing cold. They're not, it's not fire or anything. It's absolute freezing cold down there. So I, yeah, I always took that as, detail. I'd as not that heard little, that one before. But oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he, when Dante goes through the final, the ninth circle and comes face to face with Satan, it's in like a giant frozen lake. It's so cold. Everything yeah. there is frozen, like salt, like, like absolute zero. And, and Satan is like this monstrous being like out of Lord of the Rings type thing. And he's stuck in the ice and he tries to get free. But the more he tries, the more he, like he's imprisoned by his own devices, essentially is the, yeah. is what is what the whole thing of the the whole theme of that story is getting at. But yeah, that's that's one of the interesting things that I think people forget about of the Inferno is the final circle is freezing cold. You can't you can barely withstand it. So I always took that little detail in Exorcist to sort of be nodding to that, but I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. Now it's a he's a bit of a more controversial figure these days, but have you ever seen the movie The Ninth Gate? Yes, I have. Yes. Yeah, Roman Polanski movie, and yeah. Roman Polanski is not very kindly looked upon these days no, for no. justifiable reasons. I'll let yes. you all look into that. On yeah, your yeah, own. yeah. I do find that movie to be very interesting in how it deals with the nine of hell. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that one in a bit, but yes, is John is Johnny Depp's in that right? Yeah, yeah. He plays the book detective. That's right. Yes. Yeah, good one. I do like that one, but uh, yeah, obviously not a not a good. <laughs> no, time yeah, for Roman yeah. No, certainly not. So what do, what do you, I didn't, I, I meant to ask it before. So what, what do you 
what to you is probably for me i've said it's the storytelling and the sound if i had to pick two things that just i always go to with this movie what what for you is there one particular thing is it the cinematography that you appreciate the Um, most i think for me it's there's there's several things but i think the things that stand out for me the most are the performances yeah Max von Sydow, Ellen Burstyn, and from the young girl Reagan. I mean, alone those those ones stand out. But on top of that, like you said, the sound. But I think the direct collaboration with Friedkin and the author William Peter Blatty mm-hmm. writing room. I mean, to have access to the mind of the man who actually came up with the ideas in the book. Yeah, I think is a very important resource, and I think having him directly collaborate throughout the course of the film was an invaluable resource. I think that they got a lot from page to screen in a way that often doesn't happen, and I yeah. think that that's part of why this movie is as special as it is. No, I definitely would agree with that. And I just got to ask a very off-topic question. Well, I guess it's not off-topic. Sure. Is it Saito? Is that how you say his last name? Have yeah, I been... I, I've always heard it Max von Saito. Okay. But, Have know, I, I been pronouncing it wrong all these years? I mean, it's possible. I don't know. Oh. That's how I've always heard it. So I, I tend to just go by what I've heard. Okay. Eh, eh. Well, what An interesting thing, too, that I've always thought, and I, I never read the book. I don't know if this is in the book. But there is no father figure. Yeah, I've always found and, that interesting, too. Like her, You never find, like, her actual biological father. Is never it's definitely present, not stated in the, the film, but I don't yeah. think that it's stated in the book either. And I've always found that kind of interesting. It's it's one of those. It's the like character's not even there in any way. I don't even think. I think the only thing in the that you're supposed to allude or, or get from the movie is, I believe, someone calls in the very beginning, and I think the mother is speaking. Like I think uh, Reagan is sleeping at the time or something, or she's off doing something else, and you don't know who she's talking to on the other end. But I guess you're meant to assume that it's the father. If so, I, I there's that one. I think that there's only one scene I think where she's on the phone, if I if I can recall correctly. And I've always found that to be very small detail but looms large i think over it because it's like where is like what what why why no father i would be interested to know why not have a father figure uh, the 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 actual biological father because if we compare this to poltergeist Mm -hmm. the father plays a huge role in yeah in the story and this has a a similar trope it's very common in horror especially more towards after this period of the 70s but it's very common in horror to have very strong female characters yeah and i think this is one of the great examples of that in Ellen Burstyn's character. Oh, yeah. Because her whole world lies in her daughter. And when that is threatened and attacked, her whole world comes crashing down. And I Mm -hmm. think a lot of that sells in Ellen Burstyn's performance. Part of why I said earlier that a lot of this movie's success lies in its performances. I think that seeing the terror, a lot of that comes out just mainly through her character and how she portrays yeah, no, there's something about 70s horror that, for me, hits a little differently yeah. than modern horror. I don't know if it's like, sometimes the two, like the color grading is a little different in 70s movies. Well, yeah, I, and I, I th- it, it has been touched up in years since, but it, I don't think that they've done anything that's really taken away. Because I've seen some remasters that you're like, eh, I kind of wish they'd not mm-hmm. done that. But in rewatching it, I, I took special note of like, okay, what did they what did they do differently from The Last Prince? And I was trying to like kind of go back through, but it's been done yeah, so many yeah. times that it was a bit, a bit difficult to pinpoint all that down. But for the most part, it was how I remember the film looking visually. Anyway. There's almost like a, I don't want to use the term gloss, but I'm going to, 
over it. I, I it's it's very it's very hard for me to describe. It's and and this I think goes to a lot of decades. Like it's it's amazing how like when you watch a movie, you can look at it and be like, yeah, that's from the eighties, that's from the nineties, yeah, sixties, whatever. And there are I think times a lot of that's this, technicals. A lot of it is yeah, mem- remembering. Yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah. I have a bit of a timeline in my head <laughs> ground out for what comes when, but I do think that you can like certain trends in cinematography, certain trends in editing, you can kind of pinpoint and remember when it came out. And let's not, let's of course not forget the classic score. The, you know, you hear it all the, all the time in like haunted houses and like hay rides and parks. Now I don't even, I, I don't even know what the actual, the theme of it. Yeah. What's it called? Yeah. I'm not sure what you're getting at, so I don't know. The, 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 the piano theme. Oh, like tub- you mean tubular bells? Yes, tubular bells. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I thought that the, I was, I mean, of course they were going to, but I thought it was interesting that they're bringing that back for Exorcist Believer. I mean, it's part of the iconor- iconography of the movie. And yeah. What it's known for, but that, not to, de- not to sidetrack either, but I mean, that house was interesting. I'm not quite sure how to feel about it. Still kind of mulling that one over. Oh, t- about the one in. In Halloween Horror Nights? Yeah, because like I said, I mean, I, it's it's based off of a movie I haven't seen, so it's a little difficult. So, like, were you it. confused with that one then? Because you just didn't have a reference point? Well, not I wouldn't say confused, but it was like, picture it this way. It's like rushing through watching a movie in 15 minutes that you okay. haven't seen. So it's like, it's far easier once you have a baseline of understanding of what the story is. Mm-hmm. But also from that token, I don't, I don't feel like I had much spoiled for me either. Okay. All right. I really do like this. This, like... What? image that you have in the yeah that was uh is that like one of the original posters or i think so but it's been touched up okay Uh, i think it's like a like a procreate painting or something someone did off of that poster but Mm -hmm. yes i've seen it a number of times since and i think that i don't think that this was necessarily an original release poster but i do think like the style of it and that definitely the typeface were part of part of an original yeah speaking of posters i I see that you have. Yes, I prepared for my Halloween in decorating, oh, and part of okay. part of that, and and I didn't. Is that what you're insinuating here? With no, this? I'm definitely not. You got a prescription I'm for that? Throwing shade. Yeah, where where is it? <laughs> um, where where? No, yeah, in, in prep for the spookiest of seasons, I ditched my wall art, some of my wall art, and I replaced it with a placard I have for The Exorcist that I got a few years ago. <laughs> Well, I do. Uh, that, that one's a, I, I like that one, too. Well, take me through. OK, so what, what didn't we touch on? Just the iconic nature of some of the shots. Everybody knows that that shot of Max von Sydow walking up under the lamp light. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one of the most iconic shots in horror. Yeah. Well, that pulls I mean, a lot. That, the lighting of that shot. That pulls a lot from going back to the Universal monster movies. Oh, I feel yeah. like the lighting and how it, the shadows, the, the contrast. Yeah, that high contrast, moody. I feel like that's sort of aerial tip diffusion. Yeah, it's tipping its hat back to the 1930s Dracula. The, yeah. And I mean, the you think of how many times, especially in the last couple of years, Conjuring just did a nod to it in their third installment, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it, it's, still, it's still getting their acknowledgement for that, so... And then all those shots of Linda Blair with her eyes right in that's right in rapid succession around that. Oh yeah. Use of the use of those contacts and the decrepit makeup on her are just it's horrifying. <laughs> well, what do you think too, given that this was, like we said, nominated for Best Picture? And like I, I still stand by I believe it's a masterpiece. Yeah, I would agree. Why why is it that horror doesn't get the nod when it comes to the Academy Awards? 
Like, is it? Well, I think is it more that like people like look at it now, or like did this for better or worse hurt and help horror? Did everyone just want to like, oh, we got to be the Exorcist, and it's just still going to this day, and like everyone just keeps trying to push the envelope, but in the wrong way? Well, no, I think the nature of the Academy has just changed from what it was then. I don't know that any horror films have reached in that direction specifically that I can, at least I can think of. Horror is kind of always just kind of shooting for that core audience of direct fans more so than recognition at least yeah. I've, as i've picked up horror in years since then i mean it's it's largely that sla- that popcorn slasher audience mm-hmm. is often what horror goes after again i like this too because it, it shows that you can you can have your cake and eat it too you can have a, a good horror movie that checks all the boxes yeah in terms of the craft it was interesting too like you had movies like the the omen coming out around that time mm-hmm. so with I mean, there, there was a st- yeah there was a style here that was was sought after i mean i've i've grown up watching amc horror fest i thought damien was as the antichrist was mm-hmm. terrifying <laughs> when they peel back his hair and show that little 666 on his head i'm like oh, oh yeah. that's the kid kill it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah there was there there was a lot there was a lot of styling sought after for exorcists in the years following i think i think it plays somewhat of a trail in horror Mm-hmm. that's a lot of people are still trying to well yeah like I, I think of it now and i'm like man there's so many so many horror movies at least that and credit i am not the authority on when it comes to horror but there are so many that i can just picture like shot and incidences moments characters storytelling devices that I'm like, well, The Exorcist was, again, I think at first, that's why I was, I didn't think I was too far-fetched to say that it's the cornerstone of modern horror. Like, Absolutely. Today. I mean, you think of, I just think of things like we've brought up before, like Evil Dead, the possessions yeah. and the faces, and I think of stuff like even even some of who we'll get into later even some of john carpenter's movies Uh, i think i don't know if he ever pulled anything from was influenced or enjoyed exorcist but i i think it's there also i would say he was a fan of it i mean it's definitely art influencing art i can't you can't deny that i i we you and i have said this a couple of times and i think it's interesting that john carpenter is one of the most ripped off filmmakers of all time yeah 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 it's almost like yeah here's here's your two your your two pillar your two pillars if you will the exorcist and then john carpenter i love that john's a gamer oh he's a <laughs> gamer so yeah he actually i'll get into it deeper later on but uh he wanted to direct a dead space movie Ooh, oh man that'd be awesome and he's the whole reason that a dead space movie is happening but the studio didn't want him to do it <laughs> huh well yeah we'll have to get well yeah we'll table that one for a it's little an bit later topic. yeah i'd be interested to go more into that but yeah, no, Dead Space, there's another one that I'm like, yeah, I can see it. It's impossible for me, at least, to not look at a lot of horror and at least see, even if it's a thin thread that harkens back to Exorcist. Yeah. And two, how they don't, like you said, that slow burn, they don't right away go for the obvious. They don't right away play up the supernatural element. The supernatural tends to build along with the story. Yeah, and it's like it's it's in ways that it gives you the ability to doubt it mm-hmm. as it's progressing. There's all all the way up until a very certain point in the storyline, it, it there's a justifiable reason for everything, even though in the back of your head you're going, maybe not the case, but all right. Yeah. The doctors try and find every possible explanation for what's going on, try and rationalize every little detail. But us along with Ellen Burstyn 
Jackson's character were going, mm, I don't know if I believe that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all her scans come back negative, all her x-rays, and they do actually do an MRI scan on her at one point. Wait, like a real one? It's like a 70s version of it, but... Wait, like they actually performed, like on, on the... Are we, are we talking... I'm asking now, Linda Blair now, I'm saying, like, did they actually do an MRI? Oh, that I don't... Oh, okay. That I don't know. In the context but, of the story, you're saying they do an MRI. I gotcha. Yeah, they, they put her in an MRI machine in the movie. <laughs> yeah, but like, I was like, oh, they actually ran the, the MRI? Because like, when you were saying they actually refrigerated the one set, I was like, wait, did they yeah, actually... Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if they actually... I'd be surprised if they actually gave her an MRI. That'd be, that'd be interesting. But, but that, that, here's the question. So like, if you, if you, if you shot the bedroom scene again today with, the, with Father Marin and Karis... Would would it be cheaper to just do it how they did, just re, just shoot it in like a f- giant freezer? Or would oh, it, it absolutely would not be cheaper. You don't think it's that it's that triangular scale, man? It's the good, cheap, or quick. It's what, you know you what know, is this pyramid you, you speak you, of? Oh, come on, you've seen this? No, no, no. We looked at this like a billion times. Oh, you, in school. you, I don't know what you're talking about. So. Production can be looked at as a triangle put on three sides. You put from one angle, you put good on the top. You put cheap on the last pillar of the triangle. You put, what did I say? It's good, cheap, and quick. Yeah. Pick two of them. That's what you can have two. You can have two. Can either be good and quick, can be cheap and quick, but it won't be good. (laughs) It can be cheap and good. But it won't be quick. (laughs) It won't be quick. That's weird. Because if it's cheap, it's really, it's a, it's, it's so true. It, 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 it's it's a thousand percent true. It's a thousand percent true. Much you you got the you can have you can have only two of those things. Good, cheaper, <laughs> quick. But you don't think you don't think like renting out. Just be like, hey, I'm from Hollywood. I'm shooting a movie. Can I rent out your meat locker for like a day? And then you just dress the meat locker as a bedroom and maybe have a maybe have a couple lamb chops sitting in the background. You you don't think that would be the cheaper way to do it? Or that would that that would be? I feel like that would still be cheaper than plugging in the the After Effects. Don't you think or no? No. <laughs> what? Absolutely not. What in the what in the hell? Where are no, you? It wouldn't be. How, explain. It, it wouldn't this be to better. Me. I'm not saying it's going to be better. I'm going to say it's cheaper to do the after the the visual effects version of that. Yes. It's cheaper to do the visual effects because don't you need the what the hell am I seeing when I go to the theater and I watch the credits and there's just like a freaking wall of names of visual effects artists. Well, that's not just adding breath. No, I know a bedroom scene. No, but I'm saying there's a vast difference between like a full environment reconstruction. Well, yeah, that's what I'm getting at here. Like I'm getting at. That's my point. Is like that's we're not doing a Marvel movie here. We're just adding breath to people's mouths. Like. (sighs) We just talked about getting the actors in the environment, Brian. Well, I agree with that, but it's not cheaper. You're asking me specifically if it's cheaper. You, you, someone, someone go do this. No, someone don't do this. Don't do this. I don't want to get in trouble. All right. We're going to have to, we're going to have to. I'm just picturing the headline. (laughs) No, don't do that. No, no, no. But one day we're going to have to record an episode inside like a freezer and just to, we'll do a freezer episode. Or, or if it's really cold outside one night in the winter, we'll do one outside. Oh, there's absolutely... I'm hoping that we get a cold night outside because yeah. I want these damn lantern flies to die. Oh, yeah. They're like everywhere. The worst. Now, huh. that's a horror... That's our horror movie, right Lanternfly. Lanternfly. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, what do we... Don't you need like... Well, I guess so. Like now with like AI tracking, I guess it would be... It would definitely be easier. 
definitely or quicker. I'm not saying in any way is it going to look better. And if those performances had to carry the weight of making that sell, I'm not saying it's going to be better. <laughs> See, I'm you're saying it would be cheaper. You're back. I'm saying it would be from your specific question. <laughs> you asked, would it be cheaper? And absolutely, it would be cheaper. No, that's not what I asked. You're making stuff up now. You're t- you're, you're making up lies. No, that is what I asked. <laughs> I just pictured it like cut cut into the clip. <laughs> <laughs> No, but yeah, this is definitely it, I it, I can't say enough other than masterpiece. If if you can watch it, yeah. definitely watch it, especially around the the spoopy season. It's uh, one of those ones that hits on multiple levels too. Like yeah. I said, it was kind of it's hard, kind of hard to narrow it down to a specific aspect of this that's very successful, but it's a lot of elements. I mean, the down to the cinematography, the set work as we described building everything inside of a fridge and multiple versions yeah. of the bedroom set to achieve multiple effects. I mean, I now that I'm thinking about it, I remember they did a high, I'm pretty sure they did a high-rise version of it for the bed and all that. Yeah. No, some interesting so there, there, it, there multiple effects achieved. This is almost like a painting sometimes come to life in some of the shots that yeah. you see. I'm almost thinking, "Oh, what's the what's the artist? Hang on. Let me uh let me look this up." Damn it. Uh, well, I can't find it, but uh, of course <laughs> it's it's there. I can't think of who I'm trying to think of. Give me a reference point. He did this real famous. Oh man, what the frick is his name? Like like he was a cubist, cubism and all that. Oh, uh, Picasso. Holy crap! Wow. I don't know why that. Just, I can't believe we both couldn't think of that. <laughs> I just was like, yeah, what's his name? I just couldn't. I couldn't think of it. See, this is what the internet. You know the guy. The guy. I mean that in the sense of Jimmy's like, have you brother. ever seen Garrett? Uh, what's uh, 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 one of his more famous paintings? It's like a huge painting. Uh, yeah, Guernica. This is for me. To see it. It's real. It's it basically like it's it's the uh, black and white one. But yes, it, this is like for me when I watch it, it's like a Picasso painting come to life in, in a way. I mean that in a good way, yeah. just like, just no. Yeah. The imagery, the way it, like everything sometimes feels off. You're like, what the, what the hell's going on? Uh, that to me is, I think I've given it as enough, as many compliments as I can give. No. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's one, like I said, I, I can't like religiously rewatch it. <laughs> yeah. No, but, no, no, it wasn't um, as good as the other one. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going to top that. Especially because I did, did it on accident. <laughs> but yeah, no, I th- I, I think I, it's one I kind of have to come back to every few years. And yeah. Get, I think I get a lot out of it by waiting. It's almost like you want to time and, it with like the Olympics. Yeah, there you go. It's one of my, it's one of my, it's definitely one of my Olympic films. It doesn't have to be every four years, but like you said, every, every so often you. It's a two or three year for yeah, me. Yeah, you, you feel that yeah. urge to be like, yeah, I want to watch this again. There is, there is a 4K remaster out of it, out for it just this year. So if you're in this. Oh. Oh, all right. I think this is a good year to well, check it out. Yeah, definitely a good year. Give the give this a shot. I would say um, watch it watch it with someone too. I know I have to. There there have been several versions of this that have come out. Given that this is probably the last one that had some level of involvement with with William Friedkin, I think that this is going to end up being the definitive version. Yeah. But now here's yeah i mean there's been several several different passes on this for updates from its original version in 73 so it's, it's interesting to have watched it evolve yeah now here's one final thing obviously exorcist believer coming out do you think there'll be yeah. a day where someone just says and maybe they already did it and i just don't remember let's just remake the exorcist like like 20 well, 2073 or like 2070 someone says you know what i want to remake it for the 100th anniversary it was interesting because i do think it was i think believer was pitched as a remake but it was okay adapted into being a sequel all right 
That's which is interesting. So yeah. I, I, it's one of those ones I kind of hope that they don't do that because they they tried that with Poltergeist. I necessarily wasn't a fan of the remake. I know some people. Oh, were. that's right. I totally forgot they did that with Poltergeist. Holy hell! Yeah. Did we even talk about that? In I don't think that we did. I oh think I was trying. God, away from it. <laughs> I see that either just shows how bad we are or how bad that one was. Because <laughs> I totally yeah, forgot I they know. did remake it. But yeah, I I think remakes of masterpieces. Are a fool's endeavor. Now, obviously, there will be instances. There will be instances in which that's proved wrong. You look Boy, at John Carpenter. Yeah, the I th- thing. The thing is one of the best movies ever made, but it is a remake. Yeah, and I think it comes down to you got to ask yourself right in the beginning: Why are we remaking this? Are we just remaking this for blood money, just because we're bored? Exactly. Or do we really want to? Or, or is the is that is there actual creative value? Yeah, in in remaking what this. you're attempting. Even if it's just, I would say, at the the simplest level of, I think a lot of people have forgotten this and we want to reintroduce it and keep the story yeah. going to a, for a new generation. Uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think it's an interesting conversation. Yeah, but yeah, I say yes. At some point this spoopy season, grab some, grab some popcorn, grab some friends. Pop grab in, some exorcist. Grab some exorcist. Time to exorcise. <laughs> no, no, all right. Don't I laugh. Like don't it. patronize me. Don't you patronize me? <laughs> don't you do it? Only I can do that to myself. <laughs> I love how punny this one got. Yeah, this 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 one got <laughs> this one got puns. <laughs> I honest to God, I did not mean to do the turning turn turning heads one. That it was just, really funny. It just popped in there. It tried to think. <laughs>